pray. Heavenly Father, today uh, give me the words to say and the calmness and just to share your love in your name. Amen. So my experience for speaking up front is uh, a class at Weimar in speaking. I didn't do very good. <laughs> I talked up front about hitchhiking for five minutes. I was too afraid to walk around, and it was a great experience. So here we go again. I was watching, I was reading, uh, I was actually up one night, couldn't uh, sleep, so I was watching TV, and I, 3A Band has a pastor I really enjoy. And he was talking about tithing and uh, sharing. I thought, we got this covered, it's, it's going to be an easy sermon. And five minutes in, he said, it's not just about money that you're giving. You need to give your time. If you're able to speak, share. And I thought, wow. So started putting this together. Here I am. So I'm going to start <clears throat> with the uh, the same, uh, just uh, Matthew. And you guys already heard it, heard it, but I'm going to say it one more time because I think it's such a great verse. So Matthew 6, 33 and 34. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. For each day has enough trouble of its own. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today is that I think we get problems in our lives come up and all we want to do is how am I going to solve it three years down the road? How am I going to solve it tomorrow? And God just says it over and over and over in the Bible that all we need to do is worry about today. Take prayer, get on our knees. It's just a glorious thing. So... I really enjoy timelines of history, and I'm a kind of a history buff, and uh, I was wanting to bring it here and put a big old long thing out here and show you the whole world, what happened from Adam and Eve all the way up to here, 6,000 years of time, and on it it shows where man has, has rejected God, you know, Adam and Eve's fall, the flood, the Tower of Babel, the earth rejects Jesus when Jesus comes. To us, and I looked at it and go, how could you know? How could they do these things? Uh, how could how could Eve do that? How could Adam do that? How could the flood? You know, how could you know? You look at all these big rejections, and then you look at our short lives, and uh, it's just a little teeny speck on this whole thing. And we have a little thing happen, and we just run away from God. Or we have a bigger thing happen in our lives. And I think that's where Satan really has an ability to take us and get us out on focus. You know, he can take, if we all decided we're going to go to a Bible study together, I guarantee he could find a way to have us be upset about whose house we went to. It's, it, it has a way of making us fail, fail, and fail. But as I looked at that timeline, look back and forth at the timeline, and then my little life... All of a sudden, I realized God has no timeline. It's infinite. He's here forever. 
And so when we have a a death in the family, or we have a divorce, or we have arguments at church, gossip, you know, being lukewarm, all these things we have are real. I mean, they're real. They're real for everyone when it happens. It's just we need to keep focusing. We need to keep praying to God. We need to keep joining our hands to each other so that we can focus on God. And it's just about, you know, it's so simple. You know, just get on our knees and pray and pray. It's like James and I will text. There's so many people text that I text. We have these little prayer groups together. I can't talk about it too much because I'll get too emotional about it all. But it's amazing when uh, <clears throat> two of you get together, three of you get together, how you can conquer huge problems in your lives if you just worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. That's God's problem. Give it to God. Give it to God. And it's just a huge deal for me. I'm not very good with the glasses, so i got to keep doing this thing here. So anyway, Second Corinthians 6, 1 through 4, I wanted to read next. And it's all going to be on the same line here today, guys. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gl- gladly about my weakness, so that God's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. And it's just... Uh, Actually, I read the wrong one, you guys. I'm confusing you guys. I read, I've got, I'm getting ahead of my story here. That was that was Corinthians, that was Corinthians 12, but that was a good one too. So you're gonna hear that one again later on because I'm not gonna be able to stay doing this thing right if I don't read it twice. So anyway, I'll start over here. Here we go. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be described, discredited. I'm sorry. Rather, as a servant of God, we command ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in trouble and hardship and distress. But I just think, once again, if one of us is having an issue, and it's not big issues, you know, it's just, it's helping each other in every way. I just think as a group, it's just a wonderful thing to lean on each other and not be afraid to lean. And... You know, it's Thanksgiving time right now, and it's just a big thing I just can't say enough is that lately, the thing I think I've missed a lot in my life is just being grateful. And I think that has a lot to do with just saying, God will take care of me today. Because you look at your life and all the great things going on in it, it's good enough. You know, it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be, God gives you enough today. We were, uh, my wife and I and our kids went back to Noah's Ark, and we also went to the Christian Museum. And the Christian Museum, it's a fairly big building, you walk around, little teeny alleys, and there was a house, and you can look in the windows. And it was a, happened to me, they said it was a pastor's house, you could look in there and you could see his whole family. You thought, hey, it's a great thing, you know, whatever else, one's watching TV, one's on a computer, daughter's on the cell phone, 
Mom's in the cat. Mom's in the phone on the house phone. And you look at it and you think, well, everything's fine, you know. And so then all of a sudden you go to the next one and they could let you listen into it all. And it was really interesting how when you hear what people are really struggling with, how maybe you could help them. And anyway, what the mother was saying, she was on the phone gossiping to another church member about how bad this other church member is. You look over what the son's really doing on TV. He's watching, he's playing some video game that, in my opinion, any kid shouldn't be watching. The dad is watching a violent, a violent movie on TV in front of all the kids. The older son's watching porn, and the daughter's on, on her phone talking to her friend about getting an abortion so that no one will find out that she has a problem in her life. And it just, once again, my whole message is we need to pray for each other. We need to help each other. We need to be thankful, each of us, for today. And all we have to worry about is today. So there's only two things we really have to do. We have to, I guess three things. We need to pray. We need to be thankful. And we don't have to worry about today. Because God already said he will handle that. And we, when we start saying we have... Uh, problems, you know, it's like, this is, why, you know, I have this problem in my life, or somebody else has a problem in my life, and you, and we fight as a church, and we do this, and that, we think, boy, this is unusual for this group. Just look at Jesus and his disciples. I mean, they were constantly with Jesus right next to them, right in front of them, having issues with this problem or that problem, who could be first, they're getting their mothers to help them, and then you look even more intently at it. You look at uh, Judas, and you go, how could he be that close to Jesus? See Jesus every single day. And 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 how could he be so focused on himself? But then you look at yourself, and it's so easy to do the same things like Judas did. We could easily do it if we just don't every day keep it as one little segment today. Pray for today. Get help from our other church members praying together. It's the same thing every day. When I was a, was uh, Rachel Jones, just like the last time I saw her, was in Cradle Roll, so it kind of cracked me up. And Rachel, I don't ever do this, so it's the first time since you were here last. But uh, when I was going to Crater Roll, they told us to pray every day, and if something bad happened, you'd pray about it. And uh, we had a greenhouse as kids, and we'd go to town, we'd buy plants or whatever, we'd bring them back. And my job was to get in the back of my dad's pickup, take the plants, put them on the bumper, and I'd carry them out to the greenhouse. And uh, I was doing my faithful little duty doing that. And I had one plant I'd left on the bumper, and I was slow getting back, and and Dad took off to work. And, you know, I didn't want to tell Mom or anybody that I lost one of our valuable plants. So I got down on my knees, and I prayed. I prayed and prayed. And uh, Dad came home, like, I don't know, like three, four hours later. And I remember running out there, and there was that plant still on the bumper of the truck. But years go by, 
and we have minor things happen, we don't learn to pray. So all I'm saying today is we need to pray. And we need to be thankful. We need to worry about today. We don't need to worry about any more than that. So the story I really want to talk about today is, is Jonah. Because when I first read the book of Jonah, I thought, wow, he is one messed up guy. And then I realized that he could be me or my brother or anybody not close to me. And I kind of want to read the story because it, 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 it helps to read a lot of it. So God came to Jonah and he talked directly to Jonah and said, Jonah, you have got to go to Nineveh and preach. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarnish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship and got on the ship. And he went and he went in the bowels of the ship. Then the Lord sent a great wind and the sea was violent and arose and the ship was threatened to break up. And I was reading this story of just like, how many times does God kind of hint to me that I should do something and I go hide? You know, it's a, it sounds really wild here because, you know, God actually spoke to him. But, you know, you read this book, God's speaking to each one of us, you know, and it's something that needs to be really real to us. You know, we need to take this and we need to, you know, it's like, if you forget when you read something, it says God said it. You know, that's, God said that, you know, it's, that's pretty impressive stuff. And so Jonah was blowing the bottom of the boat, and he's asleep. And uh, everybody on top of the boat is stressed out. The boat's about ready to sink. They're doing everything they can do. So they start a deal. Let's pull lots. They decide, who, let's figure out whose fault is on the boat. And they finally pull out Jonah's name. And they go up to Jonah and they go, tell us, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Who do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. It says it just terrified these people. And you can only imagine when they realize this has to be an epic storm they're talking about here. And uh, they're all fearing for their lives. And then all of a sudden the guy on the boat says that he is the, that his God is the God of the sea. And these guys don't know who God is at this point. They said it terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? And it says here, because he had already told them he was running from God. The sea was even getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down? He, and Jonah, I think, had really gotten to a low point in his life from what I, I can tell. And I think I've been right alongside Jonah. And he's like, just, just throw me overboard. I, I don't care. I've already given up on God. I got on this boat. And God's, and so God throws him over. And so the guys throw him overboard. No, they don't throw him overboard yet. I'm sorry. He said, I know that it is my fault at this great storm. Instead, the men did their very best to row the boat back to land. Then they cried to God, Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. 
because the storm was so real to them, and they could tell Jonas think they already believed in God. I love these stories of people that have never seen God. I was raised around God. And then people that don't know God at all can have one little experience and feel the love I've had for God my whole life. And I fell away from it, and it's just amazing to me how that that can happen. So at this, at this, the men were greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to Him. Now we always think it's, it's, it's uh, Jonah and the whale, but it doesn't say a whale in here. It says God provided a great fish. I really would love because I'm a guy that loves the sea, and I would really love to, from a long ways off, witness the fish. And it swallowed Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, this isn't like a hotel, guys. This is a digesting animal, and uh, I think uh, God was preparing Jonah's look so he could help the uh, guys of Nineveh later on, because I think he was fairly bleached out and ghostly by the time he got out of there. But it's interesting, just like us, it takes us to the last dying day. It took Jonah three days before he finally realized, i got to get on my knees. I mean, how many times do we do the same thing? You know, it's like, I'm, I'll be sitting in the back of the church here, and I have something on my heart that I want to say for, for a prayer request, you know, and I'm too afraid to put that. And, and Jonah was too afraid or too self-absorbed or whatever the problem is for three days. Inside of a whale, it's not a good place to be. And then he just, it's distress, he called out to the Lord, and he, and he answered, From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep. And, uh, where does it go? It's down there. And at the very end, because at the very end, he goes, I'm sorry, God, help me. And instantly, God commanded the fish to throw him up on the, uh, vomited him up on the beach. So here's Jonah. He's got seaweed around his neck, and I don't think very much else. I think that's about where he's at. If you don't want to go there, don't go there with me. Then the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And you know, Jonah knew it was coming this time. (laughs) He said, go to Nineveh. And how many times do we fight God every time we hear him say something? And here we go again. I mean, God's been telling Rick, do it again, do it again. <laughs> and I keep fighting him on the same things for 50 years. So Jonah obeyed the word of God, and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days' travel to go all through it. And Jonah started, started into the city going a day's journey. And he proclaimed, 40 days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. And the Ninevites believed, and they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose up from his throne, and he said everybody had to do it. So the whole place fasted, and when God saw... What they did and how they turned from their evil ways. He had compassion and did not bring them destruction like he had threatened them. And I think this is so 
so much a like Jonah. Here's my favorite part of the Jonah story. Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry with God. And he goes all the way back to the very beginning of the story. He goes, he he prayed to the Lord. He goes, is this not? I said when I was at still at home. This is why. He basically said, this is why I sinned. I was so quick to flee, tarnish. I knew that you are so gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundantly in love of God, who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And it's just, once again, it's uh, back to get on your knees, worry about today. And uh, Jonah's blaming it back on God. It's such an easy thing when the bump in our road, the the big event of our lives, the two or three big events, we run from God. And it's just so easy to do that. It's uh, and all you do is pray, man. He leads you back so strongly. It's just. My wife and I can't believe how he leads in us. It's like, my quotes to her was, don't ever take me back to Seventh-day Adventist Church. And if, if you do, don't take me to Fall Creek. <laughs> Here I am. But it's, he's a big God. But the Lord replied to Jonah, he goes, have you any right to be angry? And then Jonah didn't even reply, I don't think. He walked out and built himself a tent because he was ready to see Nineveh be destroyed. And I love this story because you get a great ship, a great well, and now we uh, Jonah builds himself a little shack. But my favorite story is this vine that, and it says, Then the Lord God provided a vine, and it made it grow up over him, and it gave him shade over his head to see his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy. And the vine, with the vine. And it's so interesting to me how temporary things like that, we don't even notice that God created it in this, this plant. He's out in the middle of the desert and obviously his plant had nothing to do with anything. This Jurassic plant grows over his head and he's at peace with it. And he's so proud of this, he doesn't even have the insight to see this bug about ready to eat the bottom of it and kill it. And we get these little simple pleasures that just get us to focus just a five minutes away from God and down the bad road we go again. And once again, is we need to be so thankful for today. Once again, get on our knees. So God created a worm that chewed up the plant and the plant withered. And God provided scorching east wind that blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said... It would be better for me to die than to live. Once again, it's, I think it's a great parable just to us. We might not be saying dying, but we are saying, I don't want, I don't want to go to church. This problem happened in my life. Or, oh God, you know, this problem happened. But we're on an earth that we know we're all going to die. We're on an earth that we know is sinful. We know that each one of us in this whole congregation is going to sin every day. And the only thing that we have is getting on our knees, praying to God, and we have each other. We have each other to, to get in a group to pray together. We have each other to lean on. We have the, the, the book to share. And it's what a blessing it is just to share 
and be a part of this. It's a blessing for me to share to you guys and make my heart stronger. I mean, this, I just got in reading the Old Testament, so it's like all the thoughts in my head as I went were able to be able to talk to you guys about it, and I didn't even thought I was going to do this. And then I called Sandy, and of course she instantly got me in here, and I didn't know if that was a good idea. But anyway, I just wanted to say it's a thankful season. Let's try to be thankful to God the rest of our life, every day, and God is sufficient enough for us each day. So shall we bow our head? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being the God, the strong God, and always being there for us. One prayer away, guiding us, open arms, always. Amen.